Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, hello and welcome into another edition of the Wolverine post-game edition of the podcast here on uh, the Wolverine.com's YouTube channel and also uh, in the podcast feed for those of you guys that are able to listen after the fact. A little bit later today, having some technical difficulties on our end, uh, but want to talk about Michigan's uh, pretty thorough, pretty um, thoroughly, I don't know, if thoroughly disappointing is the way to put it, but they were tested today. This is a group that we were waiting to see some adversity from. Uh, Maryland comes out and kind of punches you in the mouth a little bit. And it wasn't, you know, I know there are people sitting here frustrated over this game, but I think we needed to see a game like this uh, for Michigan after what that non-conference play was. So uh, Michigan was a 34 to 27 winner over Maryland. Uh, Just looking at the box score here really quick. 463 total yards, 220 yards on the ground, headlined by a 30 rush, 243 yard, and two touchdown performance from Blake Corum. J.J. McCarthy was efficient on the day, 18 for 26, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Still hasn't thrown a pick this year, though. He came close a couple times in this game. Uh, This was – so you guys know how this works. I mean, we're going to talk to you over the next 30 to 45 minutes, however long it takes. uh, Get your questions in, get your comments in. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out, though, to our friends over at Lewis Jewelers, who are our sponsors of these of the post-game show here on Saturday afternoons. Uh, Lewis Jewelers is the only jeweler who is the proud sponsor of Michigan Athletics and where Ann Arbor gets engaged. So shout out to Keith and the team over there for sponsoring us here on a post-game edition of the show. Ryan Van Bergen, uh, I think, will be in here with me shortly, having some technical difficulties on the back end. This is what happens when you choose to do things live. But uh, I just want to kind of rip through some of my quick takeaways. Uh, I didn't think that Michigan was disruptive enough up front on both sides of the ball. I, I thought that defensively they came out in the second half and I think adjusted and played pretty pretty darn well. Um, you know, the fact that for the most part, I mean, the two touchdowns late isn't what you wanted to see, but coming out of the locker room, I thought the defense made its adjustments. I thought they did a little bit better job generating pressure, uh, still not getting the consistent pass rush you want to see. We'll talk about that. Um, the J.J. McCarthy experience was on full display uh, today. I mean, this was a guy that uh, we know what the talent is. We know the type of player that he can be. Left some meat on the bone, missed on some of the deep throws, which I know some people are saying, well, I thought that was the reason he's the starter in the first place. No, um, 
you know, he has some growing to do. He essentially played three high school teams to start the year. And this was going to be a game where finally you get to see how he plays against a big 10 caliber opponent. I think he was, he was fine. I didn't think he was spectacular. I didn't think he was bad. Um, I think the offense as a whole play calling. I, I thought that was a bit at times atrocious on Saturday. They got to get this dichotomy figured out between who is the offensive coordinator, who's calling plays. I know they have two guys, but it's it's a little mishmash right now. And I do think this is a team that is a bit confused on what its identity is going to be. But overall in the game, you know, this is to me felt similar to last year where you have a team that comes in in week four and kind of gives you a bit of a scare when you weren't expecting them to. I remember the Rutgers game last year. I know Michigan, it was actually a tale of, it was actually flip-flopped in that game last year. Uh, Michigan played a strong first half and just kind of had to survive at the end. Michigan had to survive the first half and then pulled away later in this game. Um, You know, sometimes you have to give credit to the other guys too. I think Maryland is a team that for the most part is pretty undisciplined. I think under Mike Loxley, this has never been the type of game they've won and rarely the type of game they've competed in. This is the the first Maryland game since Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan that it has been competitive. I mean, they've blown the doors off this team for, I think this is the seventh time that Harbaugh has played them. Um, yeah, it's, the water is always going to find its level. I mean, at, at some point Maryland might get one, but today it was competitive and, and what I needed to, I, I saw what I needed to see from a, from a fight perspective and from a, uh, I wanted to see how this team reacted to when it took a punch. And I thought that it's counter punch was, was pretty darn solid against a team that I think might be a little bit better than some people are giving them credit for. So I'm going to try to bring in now Ryan Van Bergen. If it works, Ryan, are you here with us? I think I'm finally here. Yes, yes he's here. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I was just kind of talking about how overall in this game I liked. Obviously, you want to see Michigan win the way it normally wins these type of games against Maryland, where they win 59 <laughs> to 18 or whatever it is. But I think after those first three weeks, we were all, even though we'd, we'd love to see domination every week, I think we were all kind of hungry to see what this team would look like when it got punched in the mouth. And I thought the counterpunch was pretty good today overall. What did you think of how they fought back in this game after – a pretty pretty lackadaisical first half is how it felt to me. I thought they had a good response after the half. I think that the way the first three games of the season uh, kind of played out and then the start of this game, the kickoff being dropped, us getting the ball on the five-yard line, and then we end up scoring on the next play, it kind of, I think, set everybody up to be like, all right, here we go, put it in cruise control, we're going to roll this game, and – that's not what happened. I mean, kudos to Maryland for, for coming out and putting the, together the game plan that they did. Um, but it was good to see Michigan get a little challenged. Uh, it's a little bit scary because there looks to be some deficiencies that we haven't seen show up, uh, you know, through the first three games of the season. But there's got to be holes. Uh, no team is perfect, especially four games into a season. So uh, they got, I think that they did a good job adjusting at halftime, came out, played a little bit more solid football, sound football in the second half. Um, but definitely some things to clean up moving forward. We don't look as invincible as we did against the Colorado State and, you know, against a Hawaii team, which we should know. Well, I want to open questions up today with this question from JR, who asks, are the issues that we saw on Saturday fixable for Iowa? So, Ryan, I guess walk me through some of the things you saw as a concern and if you think they are fixable moving forward. I think a lot of what we saw today is fixable. Uh, I think you saw a lot of guys in – 
I don't think I can call anyone out specifically, but there were a lot of guys that I think were going about 80% in the first half until they realized that, okay, we got to get this team put away. And it's not a good thing that that's what happened, but I think that is some of what happened. And uh, as far as schematically, what I saw is issues, the pass rush, which I think has been a concern. We've talked about that. Uh, one of the things that comes up after the end of even some of these less competitive games um, that we're not getting to the spot and making the quarterback uncomfortable. I think we saw a little bit of that. Uh, I think we saw when Maryland wants to wanted to run the football, especially in the first half, they kind of got away from it in the second. They seem to be getting good gash plays. We weren't doing great on the edges and run. Um, so there's some concerns defensively. And I think that there's fixable issues. We have the guys, we have the talent. Uh, we don't lack depth or the, or the guys, but um, when we play against tougher competition, you have to play with a little bit more discipline, a little bit more intensity. And then I hope that this, and I feel like this would be a little bit of a wake up call that uh, the, the walking through the schedule time is over. September's over. October's when it's going to get real. Yeah, October is when it gets a little more real uh, starting. I mean, literally October 1st, you're going to Iowa next week. And and we know, you know, I was in probably for a bit of a barn burner tonight against Rutgers on the road in a night game that probably won't be very pretty to watch. But depending on how that game goes, I mean, I think something that we saw from this Michigan team uh, on Saturday, or, or, ter- or at least in terms of its opponent, is that they are going to get every team's best game uh, all season long, for the most part, I think. And Maryland was a team that, I think they had 15 penalties last week. They're, they're not super disciplined. They make mistakes, and they made mistakes on Saturday. But uh, I thought that was probably, given the circumstances, probably the best, most competitive Maryland team that we've seen come into the big house so far. I would agree. I mean, there's definitely something that needs to be said, and I, I could easily see people rolling their eyes, but Maryland's a very improved team. I think they're going to give a lot of teams in the Big Ten problems. Uh, if they can stay healthy, I think Tagovailoa is a good quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think he challenges for one of the best, but he's a very solid quarterback. And I feel like they've got guys, uh, you know, they got 11 guys playing good football at Maryland. And hopefully they can hang on to that because um, it's only good for the Big Ten for it to be competitive. And I think Maryland's a more competitive team than people probably thought they are uh, heading into this season. Yeah, I want to talk about, too, um you know, moving on to just a total, I didn't get to this takeaway when I was kind of introing the show, but uh, special teams again, was it was a, another example of how important it is to have good special teams and why, why it's, it's valuable to be as good as Michigan is in that category, because I think your first 10 points of the game, obviously the opening play, which is I think the quickest kind of touchdown I've ever seen scored uh, since I've, since I've been covering this team, uh, you know, quick, those quick change situations, uh, Jake Moody missed a field goal, but you know, he's bound to miss one now and again. I mean, just special teams for Michigan, um, continues to get kind of, I don't, I won't say overlooked. I think people are starting to sing the praises of Jay Harbaugh and, and recognizing the value of having a unit that that's good. But I, I guess, take me through what you see and how that phase of the game is making plays for them right now. I think it's a, the biggest deal for me. I think is special teams is one of those deals that, if you usually don't notice them unless they're struggling. And so it's easy to take them for granted when they're playing well and performing well. And I think that they're performing very well, even with that missed field goal today by Moody, they're just so consistent in their execution. And that's what you look for from your special teams. Uh, They set you up good for offensively. Uh, They, you know, defensively, they haven't done anything where they've returned anything or blocked anything, put you in a sudden change situation. And they've just been so consistent. And I think that being consistent, as a special teams unit is what you strive for. It might not be the sexiest thing you ever watch, but it's what you strive for as a coach. And we've had a consistent special teams 
I mean, I think back to when I played, there was times where Bama, such a great team, and all of a sudden a kicker, you know, would, would be the difference in a game. And I feel like Michigan can have a lot of confidence in what Moody can do for, from a field goal perspective. And all the operations in the special teams have been consistent, and then hopefully we can expect them to stay consistent. Yeah, I, I want to I want to move to JJ McCarthy for a bit because we got a, a lot of there's a lot of feedback on him in the chat. Um, you know, Kyle Kyle asks, are we confident that JJ will be cool and composed next week against Iowa? Uh, I'm going to piggyback that with some others here, Kyle. So we are getting to your question. Um, Ross, Ross Hickson also asked, JJ JJ looks like or seems like he thinks he needs to do too much. He needs to learn to throw the ball away. I thought this game, what we saw out of him was, I think we're still kind of learning the balance of him learning that he doesn't need to play hero ball and he doesn't need to do too much and a mixture of the coaches still kind of learning what they're able to put on his shoulders. So his performance today, again, it it was mostly clean. Uh, I know he was completing like 88% of his passes coming into the game. We knew that wasn't sustainable, but still a clean day for him. Uh, He was 18 for 26 for 220 yards, two touchdowns. What do you think of what we saw at to JJ today? I thought that he was off from what we're used to seeing JJ, especially on the deep balls. He had quite a few overthrows. I'd say he had somewhere in the neighborhood of six overthrows, and I think that's pretty rare for him. Uh, and then you see him at the end hit Ronnie Bell down the street. That was beautiful. Um, a lot of his crossing routes were just immaculate balls. But um, he looked off on some of the deeper throws for the first time in a while. Uh, he only put one, I thought, at risk for an interception in the first half where he threw into double coverage on a streak on the Michigan sideline. Um, but he made some decisions that weren't the best decision. And I think what we're watching is the development of him as a quarterback and as a starter, because we talked about before when they had this two platoon system or even Cade, you know, running the show and JJ coming in in certain packages. JJ comes in and I have 10 plays, 15 plays, whatever he might be getting in a game to try and make an impact. And so he reached a little bit and pushed in, in, in those positions. And now he's in a spot where, hey, it's not the worst thing. Third and 18, we don't have anything. Take off, take four, slide, we'll punt the ball. we got a good defense. And I just don't think that's part of his mentality yet because he's still in that mode of I've got to show off, play up, and, and prove that I have this spot. And right now he couldn't be more comfortable than he's been so far on campus with McNamara with, the, I think, a lower body injury. So – um, I think he's going to get a lot of good information from film. I think this will be a great learning curve game for him. It's a matter of how much does he take from this game and how well can he employ it? Cause Iowa will burn you if you make mistakes. They're not a great team. I, I will say that, but if you make mistakes and turn the ball over, they're going to be a really tough team in their place. So, um, I expect to see growth maturity. This is a sophomore and this is his third start. So I think he learned some things today. It wasn't his best. Um, but still, made some good throws, moved the offense, and hopefully we'll learn from the mistakes that he did make. Yeah, made a few when it counted, too. I mean, there was that one he roped down the sideline to uh, Ronnie Bell and then the touchdown pass to Roman Wilson. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really get a whole lot better than that. And, and we know, again, more of the plays where he's keeping plays alive with his legs. I mean, he's, he's still kind of holding on to the football a little too long. you got to get that ball out quicker in situations like that. But overall, I mean um, – you're right. When if you if you play that way, if you play the hero ball type of game in a game next week at Iowa, that's a team that's gonna that they can drag you into the mud and and you can get into a bar fight with them. So um, this this is good for him. Uh, it does. I want to talk about this. Uh, this is a good segue into Noof Dog's question. Who or it's more of a comment. That game reminded me of the Rutgers game last year. Take the win and get better. It's the exact same kind of. I mean, it, it was a week four game last year. It was. 
I know they played Washington last year in non-conference, but there were still questions about, all right, how good is this team actually? Um, this was, I mean, all things considered, probably a better performance than that Rutgers game last year, but uh, they did. I, again, you don't want to see them struggle because, the, but, I mean, like after today, the only thing that matters is how you respond to today. But I do think it was important to see um, that is a danger. I mean, th- that this Maryland team is far more dangerous than that Rutgers team was last year. And I thought, you know, for a bit there, right towards the end when they were up 34 19, it's like that was a pretty impressive just way to close out a game. And, and they let them back in a little bit at the end. Uh, obviously, some things to clean up defensively that we'll talk about. But um, I, I just, again, I just, I can't speak enough to. I, I thought the counterpunch was good today. They haven't been tested. They got tested, and they moved on with a win. You look around college football, uh, Penn State struggled for a bit with my alma mater today, Central Michigan. Uh, I think it was Kent State who was in a game with Georgia. Uh, Clemson and Wake Forest went back to uh, back. To back. Um, there's another one I'm missing there. But sometimes, like, this, this sport, the beauty of this sport, and this is a week that Vegas is going to clean up on, it looks like, but – that's, you got to play the game still. You know, point spreads don't matter. Your previous resume doesn't matter. Um, it, it's it's better be, to be the team that escaped instead of the team who got caught with their pants down. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> if you want to paint it with an optimistic brush, <laughs> um, but I, I also think it's a good point to mention that I thought there were a little bit of handcuff on McCarthy and the offense. I thought in the first half, I thought we were very vanilla. Um, I mean, Maryland was loading the box. If you look at the, if you look at some of the film from the first half, on first and ten, Maryland had one guy playing about twenty yards dead center of the field. Sometimes they'd show two, but the guy would the strong safety would roll down. Everybody else has their heels no further than five yards off the line of scrimmage, and we're still running the football into it. And I think when you saw the second half, we got a little bit more dynamic. JJ's moving in the pocket, looking for the tight ends on play action. Um, I thought that we got a little more dynamic in our play calling, which allowed our offense to open up and. and be more successful, find more success. I think Corum, just like Hassan Haskins, I feel like, honestly, a year, maybe two years ago, but there's times where we're running him into a nine-man box. Like, what do you expect? What are you really hoping to get out of that? Um, the other thing that I'd like to see more of, not that you asked, but I'd love to stand on my soapbox, I'd love to see some more tempo. Now that we have a guy that can run at quarterback, you take, for example, before the half, that fourth and one where we just lined up, clapped, and go. I don't even think guys had blocking assignments on that play, but – when you got speed all over the field like we have right now, I would love to see some tempo. Like, if they're getting in rhythm, let's go, let's go, let's go. Make them tired. Don't let the defensive linemen come out because you chase J.J. McCarthy around. I know this. I played it with Bernard. You chase J.J. around for, you know, one first down, two first downs, and they're moving so fast that you can't tap and get a sub, it gets ugly. It gets ugly quickly. Uh, so I'd just like to see a couple more wrinkles. I'm sure we're playing it close to the vest, but um, – I think that it's time to be a little bit more open book with our offense and let defenses prepare against us. Cause on first and 10, we keep running into nine man fronts. We're going to be a lot of second and nines. Yeah. I'll take it a step further. I mean, I think there are times where I know at its core that they want to be a team that is physical up front that can pound the rock and kind of do it at will. But I think some of those were hubris calls today. I think that, like I said before, I think they're still kind of, I don't want to say handcuffing JJ, but it feels like that they're still kind of figuring out what they can put on his plate. And, oh, well, Blake Corum, uh, he's reliable. We'll just hit – and we've made it almost 20 minutes in without even talking about – he's the game ball of the day. I mean, 30 attempts, 243 yards, two touchdowns. 
Either him every or Sanders still. Defensive guys should be the MVP every now and again. Sanders still stood out big time, I thought, today. Yeah, so I think that Mike Sanders still – no, that, that's fine. Uh, Mike Sanders still right now might be a top three player on this defense. I mean, his his transition from wide receiver to defensive back, and not just like because they needed – they didn't just do that because they needed a body there. They needed someone to be a guy there with Dax Hill not with the team anymore. And, you know, I'll stop short of saying that he's Dax Hill, but he's disruptive, man. And and he he's able to – I think he actually technically leads the team in sacks right now too – uh, he's been getting home on some of those blitzes. I, I've been so impressed with him. Um, Me too. He is one of those lunch pail guys that just doesn't get their due until like until he does it in a big game, like later on in the season. But that what that, what he's doing right now, I mean, it, it's remarkable. Um, Blake Corm, and this this is another thing today. It seemed like every time you got into a moment where you just needed a big play, you got the long throws from JJ McCarthy. You got a long a couple long runs from Blake Corum. Um, in games like this where things are tight, your stars have to be stars. And I thought for the most part, those guys that needed to make plays that were in the game did. Um, going back to the offensive play calling, I think that, I mean, you you watched the game on TV. It seemed like people were saying that Joel Klatt was, kind of went in on that dynamic of, of the two-play caller thing. And it does, you know, I know the old adage that, you know, you always hear, oh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Um people were kind of saying that about their play calling situation right now. So what do you make about, I, I know that they're still kind of figuring things out here, but that, that felt as herky jerky as it's felt this year so far. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I don't know that it's necessarily that they can't mesh. Cause there's been, this is not a new Joel Klatt doesn't always talk about there's, is not a new process. There's been run game coordinators, passing game coordinators, co-offensive coordinators might be a di- little bit of a different title, but this has happened before. Yeah. Um, and I do think they're trying to find their stride. The other thing I think they're trying to do is, which I think it's time to stop doing it, is, you know, put a governor on this offense and not let him run 60 miles an hour. We're going to try and beat him running 35. And it's time to let these guys put the accelerator all the way down to the floor and see what our offense can do, in my opinion. And I feel like we finally, uh, you know, shifted into second and third gear in the second half. And we've been able to, you know, be in first gear against Hawaii and UConn and Colorado State. But um, I don't want to play the game of can we win this in third gear? Do we have to put it all out there? Because maybe we want to hold it tight to the vest for Penn State, for Michigan State, for Ohio State. I'm a proponent of forget that. Put it all out there. Make them defend it. Make them learn it. And then maybe design a counter off of it when you think you can anticipate what they're going to do to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you didn't see AJ Henning get the ball. We still, Andrew Anthony was out there, but he got one or two targets maybe. Um, you know, and I just thought that overall, we still are running vanilla offense in order to keep stuff close to the vest. So we don't put stuff on tape. And I'm now saying I'm no longer good with that. Let's open it up. Yeah. Ohio state doesn't do that. I mean, it's, it's no. pedal to the metal, all the weapons. Yeah, it's we're going to do this. This is what we are. We're going to execute it really well. Our players are super talented and you have to stop it. I'm I'm with you. I think we need to, you know, I know that there's there's still some easing in of McCarthy given given that he is so new to the job, but um, you know, at some point I thought when they started letting him roll out a little more, I thought that he started seeing the field a little bit better. Um, pass protection is still kind of a work in progress, but you know, some of that stuff was guys not getting open down the field. Um, I, I know Maryland seemed like they were playing their safeties a little back. They weren't going to, I think a lot of teams are going to not, gonna, they don't want JJ McCarthy to beat them with the deep stuff. Um, if that's the case, I think you have to be content to go the long way. I mean, 
And they have the guys like Ronnie Bell, like an Andre Anthony, like AJ Henning, where I think you can play the quick passing game stuff, the slants, the bubble screens. We didn't see a ton of those today. You need to get the ball out to those guys thick or quick and let them make plays. So I'm with you. It's, you know, it feels like a typical Michigan thing to complain that the offense needs to be opened up more, but this, there's no reason that this team shouldn't be more consistent and more explosive. And there probably aren't many games this year where they should run the ball five or six times in a row into a loaded box. It it can't happen. So um, offensively, there's some work to do there. Uh, I want to move over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Not, I don't think we're getting enough quarterback pressures from your former position group. I think that those guys I saw, it it seems, I mean, you could probably speak a little more to pad level and things like that, but it seemed like everyone was a step slow. A couple guys came in high and just got, just got tied up and didn't get there. Um, Ross Hickson says we need more speed on the edge, need way more quarterback pressures. I'd love to see uh, Derek Moore get some more run. I'd love to see someone like Ayabe Okoye get a little more run out there. Just what do you make of this edge rusher group right now? Uh, I agree. I think Mike Morris on the edge, especially on passing downs, doesn't make sense. I think he needs to be bumped down more to three technique. He'll be a little more comfortable there um, and seeing a little bit more speed on the edge. But guys got to emerge and, and make some plays. I thought – one guy that had a down game for the first game because he's kind of been a standout is Harrell, uh, number 32 on the defense. I don't think he played well or his best today. Morris had a better second half than first half, but in the first half, I think he struggled a little bit on the edge rush. It's never good when Sanristil, like you mentioned before, is one of the leading sack guys, maybe the leading sack guy on the team. Um, I just think we got guys that unfortunately aren't doing a good job of working edges right now. You see a lot of bull rush, a lot of guys going right down the center of offensive linemen and those are not winning situations, but I will say temper back because I do believe if I'm remembering what happened last year when we played Tagovailoa, he also stepped up, squeezed, got around, moved around. This is a mobile quarterback, and there were times where we moved him off his spot sometimes. So I'm not saying like, you know, burn a couch or anything like that, but uh, we do need to see better from the defensive end position. We're used to seeing better. We've been spoiled at this position, um, but if we don't find a guy that can consistently win one-on-ones and, you know, get the quarterback at the very least to get off of his spot, uh, the better teams are, are going to take shots downfield that I think are going to hurt us. And um, we've got plenty of guys. It's just a matter of who's going to be the one that emerges and consistently is winning his one-on-one matchups when he gets them. Something else I wanted to ask you about was I feel like the when you have a guy like Mozzie Smith and Chris Jenkins, who I think are two really good um you know, interior type defensive lineman. I know Jenkins has been playing on the edge a bit, but uh, it feels like they should be better in, in run defense right now. And and Maryland didn't really carve them up on the ground. Uh, I think they finished with 128 yards on 34 carries, 3.8 yards per rush. But um, it just seems like every time that they needed to pick up a couple yards or if they were in a, you know, a third and short situation, they were kind of able to outman Michigan. And, and Maryland teams aren't supposed to do that. I would agree. As Mozzie is a, is a tremendous defensive tackle, and I take nothing away from him, but there's times where if you're physically the most gifted person in the, in the box, it should show up. And there's times where it does, and there's times where it doesn't. I don't know if it's fatigue. Um, I don't know if, it, if they, maybe they're schematically, they're telling them to absorb blocks. I'm not sure what it is, but there's times where Mozzie could dominate and just for whatever reason doesn't. Um, but that being said, I think there's some guys that have showed out, and I think there's going to be some guys that are going to continue to get more time. I'm terrible with names, should remember him, but number 55, freshman, defensive lineman, defensive Mason tackle. Graham. He's a beast. 
I'm uh, early call on this. This guy's going to be a first, second round pick if he continues to go the way that he's going. He is violent uh, every time he's there in on impact. And he's a guy that I think that will grow and develop and be a real problem for people, you know, down the road um, and might even contribute this year. But uh, I do think like a defensive tackle, we do a great job of absorbing blocks, but we don't, we're not doing a great job of getting off blocks, getting penetration. There's a lot of times we're going to stalemate at the line of scrimmage. And I'd like to see these guys come off the ball and get a little more penetration, get some more tackles for loss. I would say along with the quarterback pressures, I would love to know defensive lineman statistics this year and do a comparison of tackles for loss on even on run plays, because we don't, we're not playing in the opponent backfield. And that's a little bit concerning considering we've had three games that are the three worst teams in college football. And then Maryland who honestly their offensive line is probably at best middle of the pack offensive line in the big 10. What did you make of the adjust? It seems like the Jesse Minter and the defense did make some adjustments coming out of the locker room. What did you see from them? I mean, all things considered, uh, to hold this Maryland offense to 13 points at the half, they didn't score at all in the third quarter. Uh, for the most part, I thought it was a good day at the office, getting off the field in you know, some important situations, but just more so coming out of the locker room. What, what changed for them that allowed them to flip a switch? I was watching the front a lot because honestly, I thought the secondary was playing really well in the yeah. second half or in the first half. I thought the secondary was holding their own, considering how much time Tagovailoa had to throw the football. Um, but what I saw is we ended up throwing in a lot of games in the defensive line with our four man rush to try to get guys home. And that's something that it's a no brainer. Every coach in the world knows to do it. If you're not getting there with a straight four rush, play some games, twist guys, make some guys move. And I think that that helped us generate pressure in the second half. That's what got Tagovailoa banged up a little bit. Well, that, that was a straight rush, but, um, when you have these games and you're not constantly doing the same four man straight rush. Offensive linemen can struggle with it, and it makes them work harder, even if there's a threat of games coming. And I thought in the second half the guys were doing a good job running some games, and that's what you have to do if you're not getting the right pressure with four, especially with a scrambling quarterback, because now all of a sudden the pockets that he thinks he can step up into, there's a looper coming. And that's something that um, I thought that was a great adjustment that made Tagovailoa uncomfortable more so in the second half than there was the first. What do you make of Tagovailoa as a quarterback? Um, I, I was super impressed with him. I mean, he's not his brother, and he's not like Bryce Young, but that's a guy – I wouldn't be surprised if this Maryland team pops someone in the Big Ten East this year. I, he seems he seems pretty good, and he's like taken – he's taken a step, it seems like. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. I mean, I would say that if you were to do Big Ten quarterbacks, I think that he might crack – the top five potentially but this year specifically um i would definitely put him in the top 10 of the big 10 but he might crack the top five when it comes to just pure talent ability to throw each ball mobility presence he, he's got a lot of things that as a coach you desire to have at the quarterback position and you know he, he's on scholarship too that's something i remember coaches saying is those other guys are on scholarships and expected to make plays Tagovailoa, when his number was called today, he made as many plays as he could possibly make. Uh, even the interception or interceptions that he threw, those were great plays by the D-back. Um, maybe not the best decision to make that throw in the first place, but where he placed it and all that other stuff, the D-backs had to come up with the most athletic play in order to come down with him. And that's the big, and previously the knock on Tagovailoa is he just doesn't take care of the football. Um, but he's a good quarterback and that team is a good team. Uh, I think they might be only one deep. So depending on how they healthy they stay as they go throughout the season, but 
they got all all their guys healthy and meet up against a team that doesn't give them 100% of the respect they deserve, they could end up in a dogfight and, and win in one that they shouldn't. This reminded me a lot of those uh... – it reminded me of like a Michigan Indiana game from like four or five years ago where just everything on paper would would tell you that Michigan should win somewhat comfortably. Uh, but Indiana has talent or Maryland has talent all over the field. Um, Rockham Jarrett's an NFL player. I think Dante Demas is an NFL player. We'll see if, uh, if Talia winds up being an NFL caliber quarterback, but it's a good football team and they're going to, they're going to put a scare in someone else this year. Uh, I don't think this was just their one game to, sort of make an impression. Uh, I love this take from Adam Shepardson, who says, I think today was a great chance to grow, not only for the players, but the coaches, especially on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see what they look like next week. Now, if we want to keep up with the 2021 comparison at the week four game against Rutgers, what you did the next week, you came out next week and played your first road game of the year. And you went to a place that is traditionally a hostile environment in Wisconsin and you kind of put it on them. And that was really the game where you kind of, I think that was the first time last year where I thought, okay, this team might be actually good. Um, This Iowa team that we'll see what happens against Rutgers tonight, but I don't think this Iowa team is as good as that Wisconsin team was last year. Um, Still tough to go play there. I mean, it is a Kinnick stadium and thank God it's at noon, but it's a house of horrors for, it has been a house of horrors for Michigan. Um, I think that you will find out a lot about that. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something similar to Wisconsin uh, to Iowa that they did to Wisconsin last year. It's, I mean, I, it's easy to say that, you know, a little over an hour after this game ends here, but um, I think today was a bit of a wake up call and a good experience for everyone involved. This was truly to see, this was the first, it's not often you have to wait a month to see how good your team is, but uh, that's where they're at. And, and I think of the issues they had on Saturday, especially offensively. I think it was more just like leaving meat on the bone defensively. Got to clean some things up there, but um, I still think this is a very good football team and, and will, they will be a contender throughout the year. Still not, nothing that I saw today changes my expectations on any of that. No. And I would say also watching some of the other big 10 games that I've had the opportunity to see Ohio state doesn't look invincible. Penn state definitely doesn't look invincible. They have good talent. They're good teams. And I think Michigan's kind of in the same boat right now. We're figuring out who we are, uh, developing the identity of this team. And that's what you do these or have these games for. And that's what you go to film tomorrow for is to learn where you made mistakes, learn where you can grow. And it strikes me as a team that isn't going to settle for good or better than good. Like this wants to be a great team. And uh, I think you'll learn a lot about this team in Iowa. Uh, it, if this team's who I think they are, they're going to go in there. They're going to be on top of them right away. They're going to play a clean football game and, you know, have a pretty secure lead midway through the third quarter. But if this is a team that doesn't take these experiences and learn from them and grow and doesn't respect going into Kinnick, they could end up in a dogfight that's, you know, 17-13 in the fourth quarter and everybody's chewing their nails. So it's going to be a, a big tell, I think, just like it was last year, how they handle this road trip and what ends up happening at Kinnick. Uh, I want to go to this question from Jesse who says, are you guys worried about having two rookie play callers? Uh, I'll take this one first. Cause my answer is pretty simple. Uh, at some point, every, every play caller has to start somewhere. Everyone's a rookie play caller at some point. Um, Matt Weiss is a guy who spent some time in the NFL. Sharon Moore. I think it's probably the bigger adjustment for him being that he is so used to being kind of in the trenches with the offensive line, but um, definitely, definitely worked some kinks out today. 
and there's some things to clean up moving forward. I don't know that today it was a referendum on their process or this dynamic or any of that stuff. I just think it it was a a C plus day at the office is what I would call it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I'd be more worried to be honest. I like that Harbaugh over the last two years has taken a backseat and allowed his coordinators to coordinate and not been in there micromanaging, adding his flair of whatever he wants to put in there. He's letting these guys do their thing. And one other thing is don't, uh, don't kid yourself. These guys are going to go in and, and analyze their own play calling. And they're also probably going to ask the defensive guys to uh, self evaluate what, what the Michigan offense did. And I think they're going to see a lot of the things that we're talking about here. And um, honestly, the fact that we do have two rookie play callers, let's think of this as a positive. We had a team that was averaging the most, points in the entire nation going into this game we still hung up 36 is what it was and i don't remember what it was we still hung up 36 against the team that was playing good football in maryland and if they're rookies they're only going to get better at play calling so uh i see the future is bright but i also have like we talked about previously i think that it's time to let all eight cylinders run on offense and let's run at full speed and make people stop us as opposed to trying to keep our hands you know, tight to the vest. So people don't know what we can do. Yeah. Matt Weiss is an analytics guy. So I'm, I'm sure like they have, they will have data to support everything, how, what their play calling, like in this scenario, who did what they have the tools available to them to evaluate and correct their performance moving forward. I think one of the biggest misnomers from last season is that um, let me rephrase this. I think that not a lot of people realize that towards the tail end of last year, there were a lot of there were a lot of hands in the cookie jar in terms of shaping what this offense looked like down the stretch. I mean, even right now, um, you know, Matt Weiss had an influence last year. Uh, Sharon Moore had an influence last year. Mike Hart had an influence and continues to have an influence this year. Um, you know, they're still they're still sort of working it out. I mean, Sharon's down on the field. Uh, Matt Weiss is up in the box. Uh, there's I think there are advantages to having kind of boots in the ground in each area there. But we'll see what happens moving forward. I mean, the fact that we're talking about a bad day at the office or, or a, a substandard day at the office, and you still put up 34 points and 463 yards of total offense. I mean, that's a problem I think a lot of teams around college football would be happy to have. But I'm with you. I think it is time to uh, – and not that they weren't opening it up in non-conference play. They just – the big plays were available because you were throwing against uh, – you're basically playing seven-on-seven seven against high school teams. So – uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, like, like the progress that was made again, I, I think that sometimes struggles like this and a game like this can be just what the doctor ordered, just in terms of refocusing you. Like I said earlier, uh, you never want to be the team that just that gets popped. You'd rather be the team that just barely escaped. And I think Michigan did more than just barely escape, but um, I think they will be fine moving forward. So, uh, let me see if I can grab a couple other questions here. We will, we'll wrap a little earlier today. I mean, we'll stay as long as the people have questions coming in. Um, I want to ask you really quick about, um, it's in my notes here. This is what happens when I do things live. Oh, has Mac, has Max Bredesen stood out as much to you as a run blocker as he has to me? Because I thought he was terrific today. Yeah, he, uh, I think he's done really well. I think at the tight end position, we're strong. Honestly, I didn't see much of Eric Hall. Was Eric Hall active today? Eric Hall did not play today. He was in street clothes on the sidelines. So Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't see much of Eric Hall. But at the tight end position, Schumacher's great. Bredesen's been doing really well. 
Um, I feel like overall, we've just got a really good solid unit of guys. And honestly, Michigan traditionally does have good, good at that position. But I, I thought blocking wise, I feel like our guys did a pretty good job again, considering that they're running against a nine man front that kind of ties in. And I was thinking about jumping in on that previous question, because one thing I do have a concern about when it comes to the rookie play callers is, and J.J. McCarthy, where are we at with regards to making checks based on what we're seeing them in lineup? Because we're not running a tempo offense, so we get to see what the defense is presenting as. We get to look at the sideline. And I don't know how much checking we're doing because, again, we're running in the nine-men front, eight-men front on first and ten over and over again in the, in the first series. And there's the chance for that bubble to A.J. Henning. You know, there's that chance for that quick smoke screen out when they're playing off coverage. And we just – didn't see any checking. And I thought that there were opportunities there for McCarthy to check down or check out of run plays. And that would only set up the run to be better, you know, down, down the road. But um, I know it's not the question that you asked me, but I thought that in general, uh, our offensive line did a pretty good job run blocking considering numbers wise, they did not have the advantage. Well, that was terrible co-hosting on my part. Cause I said, I had a quick answer Then I went on a rant and then I didn't let you answer. <laughs> at all. So that's, <laughs> It's a it's a it's a C plus performance for me today. Too. Um, a couple questions here. Uh, Adam Shepardson has another one. He says it was the best game of the year by the offensive line. JJ had plenty of great pockets to throw. He was just a little off. Obviously, the run game translates to future games. Need to run like that, especially on the road. Uh, you'll definitely need to be able to run the ball on the road. I think that uh, for the most part, I thought pass protection was better. I think that. JJ holding onto the ball was probably symptomatic of his guys just not getting open down the field or him just not seeing it. But offensive line, I thought played much better today. I agree. I thought this was the best game that they've had against the, probably the best quality that they've played so far this year. We've been worried about if they're going to figure it out. And again, I thought they, they get for Blake Corum, first of all, he's special talent. He does get the game ball. He has to share it with Sanders still, but uh, I, I thought him running for 240 yards, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, whatever it may have been. And, you know, getting good chunk plays, I don't know what his yards per carry was, but getting some good chunk plays, uh, I thought that with how they were playing defensively, that's amazing that we came up with that. And uh, I think that if we can figure out how to block eight guys in the box, wait till we open up the offense all the way and there's two high safeties and now there's only seven in the box. And now Corum's getting some real gashers. So um, I do think they played well, and I think they could play even better if we had a little bit more dynamicness to our offense early on all right we have time for a couple quick questions here uh i will go to we'll go to steve-o real quick uh i'll just rapid fire through this one does anyone know when edwards is going to be back uh he was out today another guy that was in uh was just not dressed for the game uh i expect him to play next week i think that i think they i really thought he would play this week uh he factored into a lot of the, the pregame stuff that we did but uh, I think that they just just playing the long game. It's a marathon, not a race. Uh, you want that guy as fresh as can be for what will be a tougher game next week. So Edwards should be back next week. I don't think that's long term there. Um, I think we'll probably end with Scott Johnson, who says, do we win without the seven points spotted to us? I have a take on this and you can push back and, and answer any way you choose to, Ryan. I almost weirdly think that the way that game started allowed them to kind of ease up a bit and go, we got this. Do you think there's any validity to that? Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Uh, I think no way of knowing, but I think the game might go differently in the first half if that play never happens. Um, maybe not because maybe they come out and we get a three and out and still have the same 
kind of fluffy attitude uh, uh, towards what this game was going to be. Um, but I don't think that that play specifically changed the, the, the outcome of the game. And uh, we would have beat this team. We were a better team than them. I think you play this game 10 times. Maryland doesn't win. You know, maybe they compete harder in one, but we're just a better team than them. And they should be. I mean, Maryland came, I can't remember what it was last year, but I think we beat them by an average of like 49 points the last time we beat them. It's been, it's been not good when Michigan matches up with Maryland. So as much as they can feel some victory in, in a game where the scoreboard showed that they lost, Maryland should be holding their heads pretty high heading home that this is a program that is climbing and getting better. And that's a hard thing to do in such a competitive league. Yeah, and the chat is going nuts right now. Uh, as we record this, Michigan State down 17 nothing to Minnesota just before the half. So a little uh, little shout-out to our friends up the road there really quick. Uh, a question I want to get you out of here on, and this is where we'll wrap up, is now that we have four games uh, of film, we finally have a competitive game. We learned a little bit about this team today. We won't talk before next week's game at Iowa. What are some things you – would be looking for when you put the game plan in for next week? What What's the plan of attack for this team on both sides of the ball? Move JJ offensively. I think that on first and 10, especially like the play action passes, the rollouts, the nakeds, the bootlegs, those type of things where you especially threaten with quorum running. Cause I'm not saying abandon the run with quorum. I'm just saying we need to get more balanced on first and 10. I think that it, I want to see more, play action smoke screen to to AJ Henning. You know, I want to see some more play action and bootleg hit Schumacher, you know, and let him run with it. Or if Eric Hall's healthy, let him go. But I think we got to move JJ around. I don't think it benefits him to just consistently be in the pocket and it doesn't help our offensive line. And I just, I want to see more of that. I feel like we're more successful when JJ's moving and throwing. Um, defensively, I want to see us get some stops, especially in the run game. I think there's some times where, We've given up some leaky yardage, and it's okay because we've got a cushion. But if Iowa gets the opportunity to get three yards in a cloud of dirt every play, Iowa's going to run inside zone every play. They're not going to change. That's who they are. That's who Kirk Ferentz has always been. So um, I'd like to see our defense be able to take a team like Iowa and try and make them one-dimensional. I'd like to see our offense be less one-dimensional and open it all the way up. Yeah, don't play their style of football next week. Uh, Open things up. Like if if Iowa if if Iowa thinks it can get out and do a shoot into a shootout with you, uh, spoiler alert, they can't. So uh, the over under for tonight's Iowa Rutgers game, by the way, is thirty four points. So that should be a riveting watch. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everyone who watched uh, here almost before dinner time on a Saturday. Thanks to you you guys who are listening after the fact uh, in the podcast feed, watching after the fact on our YouTube channel. Be sure to like this video uh, below. Shoot the video a like. Subscribe to the channel. Um, loads of, of great content coming over the next week, next several weeks, and just moving forward in general. So uh, appreciate your guys' time. Uh, Michigan closes out uh, its Big Ten opener with a 34-27 win over Maryland. Bit of a scare, a lot of things to work on. We'll go to the film room and see what we take out of it. We'll see what the coaches can correct, and we'll see how they fared Iowa next week. So Uh, For Ryan Van Bergen, I am Anthony Broom. Thank you so much for watching, and we will talk to you again next time.